Whenever I hear a lector introduce a reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians, I think back to uh, when I was at my last parish and the lector got up and he said a reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. <laughs> and then it took a long time to get everybody calmed down enough to be able to, to read the thing. So, as I mentioned in my opening remarks, um, Today is Catechetical Sunday, so an opportunity for the church throughout the world to celebrate and to thank those who are willing to set some time aside and share their faith with others. And so our school teachers, our PRP catechists, uh, we have folks who are sponsors in the RCIA and uh, people who are, are heading up our small groups, uh, coaches, uh, many others who, you know, just share their faith well, not just by what comes out of their mouth, but by the way they're living. So our great thanks uh, to you today. And I would like to ask that as we begin our intercessory prayer, and I will invite you to, to come out before the altar uh, so that we can uh, pray over you and, uh, and provide a blessing uh, here in a little bit. You know, we've all, at least most of us here, have uh, been to funerals. And everyone at a funeral is really nice. But then, then the will gets read. And families all too often self-destruct over the inheritance situation. And I've witnessed this in my own life. My, when my grandmother died, uh, bad things happened there. And it was about two years before the family could talk to one another again. And it's not rare that a single family member has done the lion's share of caring for an ailing parent for years. And so the parent has left more to that child than the others. And uh, especially the children who never seem to be able to find time for a visit. Inevitably, those who rarely came around during the parent's illness, you know, feel slighted if... Uh, if he or she doesn't receive what they consider to be their fair share. We spend a lot of time concerning ourselves with what we believe to be fair for us. You know, we, we are quick to demand what we believe to be our share. And unfortunately, uh, in the case of wills, in the quest to get my share, well, you know, after situations where someone has been ill, there is almost nothing left anyhow. And the quest to get what should be mine, true fairness is ruined for everyone. And Matthew's community that we're hearing about this morning, well, they were also faced with the concerns of what was fair and just. And unfortunately, just like us, they usually see things only from their own personal point of view. You know, rarely does anyone struggle to see fairness from, from God's point of view. And the standard of fairness for Matthew's community, and, and quite frankly for us, almost always is set by the question, what am I going to get out of this? Or am I going to get anything out of this? You know, what's fair for me? 
And the scribes and the Pharisees were concerned that Jesus ate and associated with people that the law considered sinners. And, and then many of the leaders in, in Matthew's community were, were bringing Gentiles into their midst. And Matthew's community began to show the same mindset then as the scribes and the Pharisees. In Matthew's Christian community, being primarily of Jewish background, well, they're not thinking too highly about these Gentiles who are being brought into their community and enjoying the same privileges that they have always had. You know, think about this. You know, I, I don't think any of us like the situation that's going on with immigration in this country right now. There's a lot of crazy things happening and we wish there were more order to it. But the folks from these other places are, are coming because they're frightened of the situation that they're living in. They're starving. They're seeking to be free. And they're not like us. But still, you know, an open and accepting heart, helping them to know some safety and some, you know, love in their lives. You know, the... The situation in this gospel, these laborers who spent the entire day in the vineyard felt that they deserved more than the latecomers. And Matthew then, you know, has to set them straight. Now, I, I want you to think about our readings over the last few weeks because they've been sort of setting the stage for this. Because they've been confronting us with thoughts that run counter to the general opinion. And the general opinion, of course, is that we should stay out of people's private affairs. That's what we heard two weeks ago. The operative phrase, of course, uh, oh, it's none of my business, or none of your business. You know, that seems to be the way we want to operate. But it, it was startling to hear from the gospel two weeks ago that, that God will hold each and every one of us personally accountable for the sins of those whom we failed to attempt to correct for their potentially sinful ways. And another general opinion is that we have a right for an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. You know, it's very hard for us to accept Jesus telling us to forgive those who have wronged us. You know, that Jesus tells us that there is no failure, no failure at all for not forgiving others. And our general opinion is that some people don't deserve forgiveness. And we've all been there. I, you know, I still find myself from time to time feeling that way. You know, and we have to see what Jesus is calling us to, not what the world says is right. And so today, we are challenged to examine our notions of fairness, our notions of justice. And the, the general opinion then is that those who stay the course longer, well, we should get more, right? The reward should be greater for us even when it comes to heaven. And the gospel today is trying to shake this notion out of our hearts, you know, I, I know that we're all familiar here with the parable of the lost sheep. And that parable tells us that there will be more rejoicing over 
the one found sheep than over the 99 who stayed faithful. And we don't like that notion. And surely, we 99 faithful people will be rewarded better than that stupid sheep who, who strayed away. We try too hard to create God in our image and our likeness rather than than the other way around, allowing ourselves to be melded and drawn into the image of God. And there's this thing about grace and grace helping that to happen in us. And sometimes we try too hard to create God or, or to allow the, the idea that, in, that grace is something we earn and something that's quantifiable in the the better we are, the more grace we get, and therefore the better we are. Well, it's not that way. And even today we, we speak up, we speak of, of building up graces. And grace is much more than, a, than measurable stuff that is given to us. Grace is about our relationship with God. And simply being with God should be enough for any of us. But we still think in terms of getting more, more than someone else. But we can't earn grace. Grace is a, a gift from God, and it's given to us just because God loves us. You know? So we all get the same amount. <laughs> what do we do with that then? You know, That's the telling sign. But it's a gift. God will treat those who have done his will justly, giving what he has promised. And there's only one thing that God, God has promised us. Not that he's going to give us more grace. The only thing he's promised us is that we will be with him someday in heaven, that the kingdom of God will be ours. But God is also merciful. And all of his children are equally precious to him. And he wants nothing Nothing more for us than to be with him forever. But the challenge is to let God be merciful and generous, even when it's not fair. We must let God be God. You know, how is it that sometimes it is the very generosity of God that we resent? How is it that we see an, an inheritance as a right and not as a gift from our parents? Let God be God. It's, it really is better for all of us. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says 